Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm your host, Sky Guasco. You are listening to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore tckpod and on Twitter at tck underscore pod. You can find all of our rankings and multiple articles at tckpod.com. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. What up, TCK Potters? Welcome back to the program. I'm your host, Sky Guasco, joined by my man, Lucas Kaser, today. This is episode 356. Today we are breaking down 10 to 12 things to avoid when drafting in Dynasty or getting involved with the Dynasty League. So we are primarily a redraft content podcast up until now. We are going to be having much more Dynasty content, obviously in the offseason especially, but certainly during the season as well. Much more Dynasty content coming to you from the TCK Potters. Lucas is big into Dynasty, so he is going to be helping me break down 10 to 12 things we try to avoid when getting involved with dynasty leagues. And on the second half of the episode, Lucas and I are going to break down a regime dynasty league. This is a dynasty league. We got invited into with 11 other 12 total, or it was a 10, I believe it was a 10. So nine other um, fantasy groups. And um, we had a uh, slow draft that took us two weeks to complete. We had many pre-draft trades, uh, we want to let you know how we went about that dynasty trade, how the league went, spoiler alert, it went very well for us, but how we drafted, what our strategy was, how we went about it, and how we're going to look to rebuild and patch some holes for 2021 with the rookie drafts, of course, coming up in uh, April and May. Lucas, how you doing, man? I understand you have a, a pretty big week and weekend ahead of you. Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm leaving the 10 degree weather here in Iowa. The... <laughs> I feel like every day it snows. I mean, I don't really leave anyways, like with school and work and this and all this stuff, but like, it's even like going outside is just not enjoyable, but I'm, I'm heading to Tampa uh, or Tampa, I guess, sorry, Tampa this weekend for the Super Bowl. Um, we're going to, me and Tyler are going to try to, there's a bunch of like, uh, so whatever they call it, the Super Bowl experience stuff, I guess is going on. I'm not for sure like how or where or what, I guess, but we'll figure it out when we get down there. Um, I have the best plus EV odds on the Chiefs in the money line in this game. Um, well, if you're smart like me, you would have taken the Chiefs pretty heavily back in, oh, I don't know what, December, November at plus 200. So I'm going to be sweating out that game on Sunday, but just excited to be down there um, for the weekend and then come back here for the below 10 degree weather um, for the rest of winter. That's awesome, man. And uh, shout out to our boy, Tyler Moss, of course, a uh, friend of the podcast and, um, you and Tyler and another group of guys have been uh, affiliated with another, um, the Fantasy Stock Exchange, which you've talked about here on the podcast quite a bit. Uh, I've been affiliated with them and helped them out. We've helped each other with draft guides last year. You guys are underway with your rookie draft guide, correct, already? Is that something that's underway already? And if so, where can the TCK Potters find that resource? Yeah, so they asked me to make their site and kind of back end develop everything. Um, so none of the don't, 
don't buy it looking for my content or our content because it's not going to be anything that I'm developing. Um, there might be some like database stuff with rookies, but I'll make that on our side as well too. Um, but if you are interested in pre-ordering right now, I think there's two free articles up there. Uh, they're going to have, I think, every um, prospect prospect written up. They're going to have video series, film. Um, I'm just trying to look at it right now as to what else they're going to have on there. A lot of cool things are going for them. Uh, so the fantasystockexchange.com, if you go there uh, on the homepage, um, you'll have everything you need. They have a video explaining it. Um, the two free articles, the countdown timer, I think it's March 1st, I believe is when they're dropping everything. And then obviously they'll add stuff as the off season goes because the draft's not till uh, end of April. But on the order form, um, there's, well, if you, if you read the two articles, you can get a coupon code for $5 off. And then on the order form, it'll say who sent you or who referred you. If you put the candlestick kids, it's just a drop down menu on there. Then I think it's a certain chunk. Tyler handles all this comes back to the brand here um, going forward. So if you are interested in that, um, none of our content per se, but just a good, they, they know what they're talking about, obviously. And they're a smaller end brand like us here getting started. Uh, they're more of a YouTube heavy brand. If you are into like subscribing to them for the future, but just put um, who referred you, put the candlestick kids and it'll bounce back a certain percentage of the sales to us. Tyler has agreed to give a percentage back to the TCK pod uh, for our help promoting, which we appreciate and shouts out to our boy T shades. Uh, we appreciate that support, but also even uh, more exciting. Um, another 10% will go to a charity of our choice. Um, so we're looking forward to that. Also uh, call out to the TCK potters. If you are affiliated with a nonprofit or a charity, or you're familiar with a charity in your local community uh, that you believe in and you think could use some help, we would love to hear about that. So uh, make sure to uh, DM us on Instagram, fantasy football underscore TCK pod, or on Twitter at TCK underscore pod, and just shoot us a quick DM. And uh, Lucas and I will rifle through those and uh, look into those and see what uh, correlates with our core values as well. And um, once we get uh, that percentage back uh, at the end of the summer, with the draft guide being sold, uh, we will donate those proceeds to a, uh, a nonprofit or charity of our listeners' choices. So please go check out the Fantasy Stock Exchange. Go hit up our boy Tyler Moss on Twitter, uh, Lucas's handle as well. We will put one up on the TCK Pod Twitter as well. So you can go find those links. Check out the three-minute YouTube video uh, our boy Danny and Bush put up. Um, it, it explains everything really well. I believe if you sign up, you get a free – Rookie breakdown of Travis Etienne and um, Jalen Waddle. I think right off the bat, you get those for free to kind of understand what exactly they are doing and how they're breaking everything down. I watched that video. I learned a shit ton about those two players in about 30 seconds. So I'm very excited to get the entire draft guide. Again, great friends of the podcast, great dudes, hard workers. Go help out another upcoming brand, the Fantasy Stock Exchange. All right, Lucas. Well, I know your uh, your your mind is in the foreground, looking at the Super Bowl, and of course, we're very excited about that. But let's focus on dynasty now. So we know that Tom Brady still has you know probably eight to ten years left. So we want to figure out how to best utilize Tom Brady, other older players maybe in the league, younger players coming up, how to balance a rookie draft, what to do, what not to do when we're looking at our fantasy dynasty drafts again this is not redraft this is dynasty if you are not in a dynasty league i highly recommend you try one out i've been playing for 15 years 
And uh, two years ago was my first time joining a dynasty league. And now I'm in about five of them. So highly recommend you jump into one, see what it's about. Totally different draft style. Lucas, let's get into it here. What is maybe the, the first thing, either most important or just something that right off the bat you consider to avoid when drafting dynasty leagues or inheriting dynasty leagues, which we call orphan leagues. If somebody drops out of a dynasty league and you take over that team, what are some things that you look to get rid of or jump into? What are things you look to avoid in dynasty leagues off the bat? Yeah. So I think where I find a huge edge in dynasty um, is there's two, well, there's, there's a ton of different mindsets you can take, but I think an overview approach, if you're making like a, a mindset tree, you could say is there's two mindsets when it comes to dynasty. And it's why I think I have an edge in best ball and DFS and I guess kind of in redraft, but I think just like where I find dynasty more appealing is people either play dynasty in the fact that they're playing a game of fantasy football, or they're like trying to evaluate prospects and be like this, um, NFL franchise trying to like recycle prospects and like scout them and like and I, there's nothing wrong with that but I think like taking a step back and looking at dynasty fantasy football as a game within itself and not like just a team where you're going to build these cool prospects have a bunch of young players and try and like build this roster um, is kind of where I find the edge or find the the dynasty side appealing so I think um, when people let's say they get into an orphan most of the time either orphans are I would say super young teams or super old teams, I would say, or like there's definitely circumstances where people have good teams that just have to leave for personal issues or they just don't find it interesting anymore, whatever the case is. But I think for the most part, you get two sides of the spectrum with a bunch of young players that maybe haven't broke out yet or haven't reached the value you thought they would, or a bunch of old players who are past their value or not tradable, et cetera. And I think where you can like, I don't want to like just give advice saying like, do this, do that, do this, do that. Cause it's not like kind of what our channel is. But I think like when you, when you jump into a team, when you jump into a draft, an orphan, a rookie draft, like think of it as where can I find the most possible edge in this case? Cause I think a lot of people get hung up. I'm not getting the call. Most people get hung up in the fact that like they have to have, for example, last year, that they, they get hung up in the fact that they have to have CEH on their team because he's the chiefs running back. Right. And they might have overpaid to get up to the 101. Obviously, they didn't bank out. It might bank out this year. But they could have looked at it as, or I could have traded up for the 104 to get DeAndre Swift, who might be just as good in year three as CEH is now. So there's like, I mean, it's kind of hard to even like just straight up explain. There's just so much more that goes into it than just scouting prospects and finding young value because it, in a sense, it really just is a fantasy league because you play it year by year. You're not playing three years cumulative points or anything like that, where like the young ages actually would matter. I agree with that. So to tie that in, you know, you're looking to avoid older players. Um, obviously Tom Brady being the forever exception, but other players, uh, you know, a Mark Ingram, uh, other than a couple of games and Adrian Peterson, uh, you know, even unfortunately Julio Jones, AJ Green at the end of their tenure this year uh, with injuries and whatnot. So you're looking to kind of like get, off of that before they go over the cliff, as they say. So older players, you're looking to avoid if you can, and especially running backs. And to tie in, I guess, my point that you kind of alluded to, looking too far ahead without paying attention to the present. So you had mentioned, you're even though it's a dynasty league and you could potentially be in this league for 10, 15, 20 years, um, I do know of a dynasty league uh, of some guys, friends of mine who started 
playing dynasty style before dynasty was really like a thing in common fantasy football. Like they made a draft. I believe it was in 2005 when we graduated high school, they made a draft and they have stuck with that team growing it as a dynasty league since. So we're talking 16 years into a dynasty league. They still, you know, have some of those older guys and whatnot and, and trade it up. So you're looking too far ahead sometimes if you're looking at the three-year, the five-year window, selling all of your players, um, trying to acquire too many rookie picks. Because as we see every single year, unfortunately, not every rookie pick pans out, obviously. There's a lot of busts, especially at the quarterback position, especially at the running back position. And wide receivers and tight ends don't usually develop. Of course, this class was exceptional, obviously. But usually wide receivers and especially tight ends don't develop for two to three to four years sometimes. So you're really waiting extra long. Meanwhile, your roster is too young to compete. So yes, you're getting really good in five years from now, but A, the league might be abolished at that point. B, you're getting your shit kicked in for three to five years waiting and you're still paying buy-ins. You're still trying to compete, but you're frankly not. So it's a it's an even balance, I guess, of having a competitive roster of veterans now and also looking ahead but not looking too far ahead without paying attention to the present roster lucas and i will get to our team um again the second half of this episode and we'll kind of explain that more in depth but for me in dynasty yes it's cool to have the new hot thing you want to find as many you know uh justin jefferson's as possible um but you can't forget that adam thielen is also very valuable on your team as well this year. So be careful with that one. Lucas, what's another one for you to avoid in Dynasty? Yeah, and I think a little bit on yours and kind of like going into other ones is like, I think people, I don't want to say they throw away the money side of things, but like, I think I have a unique way of viewing it as in like Dynasty leagues, like let's just say you're buying is $30 every year, right? And let's say, I would say that's the most common $30 buy-in 12 teams. We'll say winner takes home 260. Just to, just for the, the, the math standpoint, like if you win that league, hypothetically say you go all in, win that league, your team's pretty old. You're plus 260 in that league. Right. So then you can, you can afford to sacrifice a rebuild year if you need, and then you're still plus 230 in two years which in redraft, you might throw in $30 every year and never win, which in dynasty, if you have a super young team, you might throw in $30 for three years and not win and be negative 90 where this team that won it once and is rebuilding for two years is going to be up $200, right? So I think not that like I'm saying, you need to make all your decisions based on money because I think like I'm sure most people don't have like big spreadsheets tracking all your buy-ins and like possible edges and outcomes and like all this stuff and all these tabs open. But like, I think to a certain extent, people don't keep track of those things especially for redraft dfs betting like all that you should keep track of so then you actually know kind of like your odds and where you're finding these edges that's i mean that's a little unrelated to dynasty but i think it's just a good tip um to kind of outsmart the crowd a little bit but i think one here we can kind of just go into the rookie conversation and i think people with the last year maybe two years might go against what we think um but overloading on rookie picks is something that i think there's some value in, um, I mean, one league I'm in that I drafted last year with a couple of the BDGE guys and Danny and Bush, I have 11 of the 12 first round picks for this year. Um, I was completely tanked because the draft kind of flew that way. Um, and, and here's the thing though, I don't plan on making a single one of those picks. I plan on trading these guys to build a team and put myself right back towards the top. And I think that like, 
I'm just hoping people will keep sending me trade offers. And like, I'm just going to hold until two weeks before the NFL draft or like whenever we have our rookie draft and then just flip them then. Um, but I think th- this point kind of has a lot to it. And I think you kind of have a couple of rookie takes or things to avoid in yours. And we've seen the last two years, these rookies tend to outproduce sort of like the hit rates. And if you go back to, I want to say that was April, maybe May, when we talked about the hit rates in the second and third years players, go listen to those episodes. Those are really good insight to specific players, but strategy in general related to the numbers. I'm um, like, we, we list a player and I would immediately read off the hit rates for that player based on the round they were drafted the year they were in to hit certain um, landmarks in terms of like top six, top 12, top 18, I think were the numbers. So go listen to those um, to give you more of a background on that. But when drafting rookies, I think there's a little misconception about what can actually happen because people will minimize slash maximize their sample to best fit their bias, right? Or their narrative. Like when it comes to betting, there's all these narratives like off a buy, on the road, wearing white jerseys. Like all these things are just narratives or bias to make fit what you want to happen, right? So like, for example, last year, people were taking CEH in round one, like top five picks in startups because they wanted him to be this workhorse to get a lot of touchdowns when we've never really seen that happen since Brian, like we, yes, he had Brian Westbrook, Andy Reid did, but that was what, seven, eight years ago, right? Like, so they, they want to take the full sample without taking the full sample just to make their thing kind of go on the back of their head. So overloading on rookie picks, I think comes down to like two to three things for me. And it comes down to if it is the right fit to, for example, last year, I think when we go into our, um, evaluation of our draft we moved up three spots in the the actual draft so the veteran draft to up to jump up I would say a pretty big tier in dynasty rankings while sacrificing our first round rookie pick because we felt the value of jumping that tier it was worth removing that shot in the dark roll the dice player in the back end of round one of a one QB rookie draft obviously if there was a super flex draft it would have been a little bit different a conversation because we could have maybe sneak snuck in a Dobbins or Swift. I think it was at pick 11, I believe of 12. Um, but I think you need to look at what you are giving up in terms of um, for, for general thinking fantasy points, but like for like my thinking, it's like targets, production snaps, like, cause we talked about that in the last episode of utilizing, looking at targets and snaps and volume versus fantasy points. Cause I usually went out in the end. So look at what you're actually giving up, not what you are getting. And I think prioritizing that I think is huge because I think in a redraft, it's super easy to have the, oh, I'm getting this guy on my team by giving up these two players. Right. And I think there's some um, credit to that in redraft because you're not looking for most of the time in redraft in most leagues and most home leagues, et cetera. Most basic leagues, like you're not really like looking to like, no one really looks at like team building and game theory and blah, blah, blah. Cause they'll just like stack their five positions and just flex and stream the rest but when it comes to dynasty like you can't really stream right you can't have these guys in here that are just randomly thrown in players because you have to I mean I don't know what are rosters 30 30 spots usually like 30 times 12 that's 360 players like who the hell is on the waivers for for right for for dynasty so like look at prioritize looking at what you are giving up in terms of value at the current trade value that could happen throughout the year value that'll happen in the next postseason. And then from there, that's when you can really look at like, okay, do I even need rookie picks? My one draft, I have 11. I'm going to probably trade them all because I know I can get so much value 
immediately to go win money. And then from there, if I want to rebuild, then I'll rebuild, et cetera. So you can kind of give your thoughts on the rookie picks. Um, Cause this isn't me saying like never take rookies. I just find myself a lot in dynasty leagues, like not prioritizing that um, because I just feel like it's, it's just, it's always overhyped and everyone talks about how overhyped it is, but no one adjusts to it. Right. Like I think people just say it to say it. Um, they talk about these, the trading for picks windows and like, sure, those are things, but like, not really. Cause I feel like if everyone talks about it, then why is, why is it super easy to get rookie picks and trade rookie picks in a sense? It's just really hard to find out which rookies are actually going to pan out. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the, and again, we'll go through our drafts here in a little bit, but I'm looking at the first round just for this conversation. And the next thing I was going to bring up to piggyback on what you said to avoid in dynasty is selling off your, if you, if you go rookie heavy, which look, I mean, you're going to end up drafting rookies because people have a rookie draft. If you have a startup and if not, then they're involved in your regular draft. If you go later on. So you end up like drafting rookies. So again, we're not saying sell all your rookie picks, right? But if you go rookie heavy or rookies in general, I always say you got to wait a month on your rookies, period. Like period. If they're on your taxi squad, forget about them. If they're deep on your bench, forget about them. The first round, I'll just run through this very quickly and we can think about these players and how they panned out. So coming into last year, CEH went 101, and we knew that, right? Kareem Hunt, uh, Jamal Charles, Brian Westbrook, the whole thing with Andy Reid, yada, yada. CEH goes 101. Uh, doesn't – I mean, he was fine. He was an RB1 overall, but got hurt at the end of the season, didn't really ever have that huge breakup game, and they bring in Le'Veon Bell. Jonathan Taylor didn't happen until the end of the season. Cam Akers didn't happen until the end of the season. DeAndre Swift hurt, didn't do much, missed a bunch of games, was great when he was on the field, but now they have a whole new coaching staff, lose their uh, franchise quarterback. We'll see what happens there. J.K. Dobbins didn't happen until the end of the season for the most part, and Mark Ingram was obviously in the way with Gus Edwards. CeeDee Lamb, excellent for the first five games, faded dramatically when Dak went out. Jerry Judy, off and on, had a case of the drops. He's a rookie, unreliable quarterback. Keyshawn Vaughn, non-existent Justin Jefferson obviously uh the hit of the rookie draft clearly but he's at one uh 109 so crushed there um Henry Ruggs went after that didn't do anything Tua didn't do anything except for a couple of games we'll see how he turns out but not yet with Ryan Fitzpatrick there Joe Burrow QB nine until he got injured but again he missed the second half of the season so that's the first round of our rookie draft so there's question marks all the way through the draft board this particular season, other than Justin Jefferson. And even Justin Jefferson didn't become Justin Jefferson until week three. And then he was kind of hit or miss until he really started to explode. So there were a lot of rookies, namely JK Dobbins, Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers, DeAndre Swift, who were not producing. They were on the bench. They were slow going and Twitter was exploding like, Oh shit, I had a top two pick a three pick. What am I doing? I have to sell them to fix my team that is now losing because I sold everything to get this fucking pick. And now I'm, I'm hurting. Right. So you have to wait on these guys or just don't value them as much as you, as, as much as like, you know, you would say Twitter or the general fantasy community would tell you to do so. Obviously there's value in rookies and these guys are hypothetically going to last much longer than a veteran taking their spot. Right. But the reality is you may have a veteran that sticks it out and stays healthy and does just fine for another two, three, four years. And unfortunately that rookie doesn't get their chance or their quarterback situation changes overnight. They have a new coach next year. They're not as much of a part of the offense. It is what it is. So that's why, you know, if you're valuing 
you know, kind of trading rookies and, and young players too early if they struggle. So don't give up on your rookies um, too early is, is what we're getting at. Another thing I want to bring up too, uh, kind of similar is, you know, valuing the lower draft capital if they don't produce. So again, sticking to names and these could be rookies um, or they could be later round names that, you know, are the preseason sleepers, the Devin Singletary's, uh, the Michael Gallups, and we will we will wear that one. We were super high on him, obviously, before C.D. Lamb. Um, A.J. Green coming back healthy after all these years being injured. Uh, you know, just late-round guys that we threw a dart at. Valuing them at the lower draft capital if they don't produce. So those guys aren't producing, it's time to cut bait. If they don't produce for about a month, you can probably cut bait from those guys. And I find myself in Dynasty holding on to guys like that. Mike Williams too long because I know what the potential is and I want it to work out, but it just isn't. And now it's sinking my team and I lose another week. I lose another week. I lose another week. Then I get one big game from them. And then I keep on for two or three more weeks because I think it's going to keep happening and I keep losing. So that is one for me. So like getting rid of, you know, your rookies too early is, is a struggle. So try to avoid that, but also hanging on, to veterans or rookies at a lower draft capital if they don't produce in the later rounds is also uh, potentially going to hurt your team as well there. Uh, Lucas, what's another um, thing to avoid here when you're drafting or getting involved with Dynasty Leagues? Yeah, so probably my favorite one, and I think Dwayne or Dweez has a very good understanding around this with me, and so does Bush um, from the stock exchanges. You need to have a redraft mindset. And I mean, if you don't want to, like, I'm not like trying to like say you have to, to win because like, again, this is subjective to, we can't tell you what's going to make you win. Right. Because it's subjective to what happens in your league scoring, et cetera. But going in with the redraft mindset of um, like, I guess you'll see on the draft guide when we, when we launch it or when we have our dynasty rankings live is like my dynasty rankings are 70% year one, 15 and 15 year two and three, actually probably more like 20 and 10, honestly, for year two and year three because this goes into the fact with the money, especially for higher stakes. Like another one we were in is a hundred dollar buy and we split it 50, 50. Like I wasn't going to throw, not that like it's all about the money, but I wasn't going to throw away $50 to rebuild in hopes that these players are on the right side of hit rates to then win the money, to try and win the money back in year two. Right. So having a redraft mindset going forward kind of constitutes, I think in a couple of, I'm not really for sure how many, I'm just going to kind of go off the ones on my head here is one, sometimes veteran players are 100 times better than rookies, right? Two, or actually one, back on that point, one, if you go on Twitter now and you follow a bunch of fantasy guys, it's prime dynasty rankings, like tweet out your dynasty rankings and talk about prospects. And you see CD Lamb as a top five dynasty receiver and like go through this exercise with me here. So CD Lamb, top five dynasty receiver. He was like a top five when he got drafted last year. I saw people had in his rankings. So you're telling me, that I mean I don't even okay let's say in three years in three years he's going to be scoring more fantasy points than which I mean I'm not saying this isn't not going to happen but then honestly Amari Cooper because like I mean Amari Cooper was still better than him in every game they played together I don't name more receivers that you can name Diggs Metcalf Hopkins um, not Julio anymore I would have said Julio not after what happened this year um, Adams Tyree Kill like there's so like People just like to throw in because they're 22 years old. Like, that's cool. But are you going to be playing in this league for seven years, holding on to CD Lamb, waiting for him to be the alpha receiver? Like, it's just, these things are not 
they're stretched out narratives because they want to say they have young guys ranked higher. They want to screenshot these teams with a bunch of young guys. Like they want to have all these things going on where like, there's just, there's so many ways around it. So have a redraft mindset going in. And I think, uh, I think a prime example would have been CEH this year. He was probably, I saw him go at like 104, 105 in these super flex leagues, like right behind Kamara and, uh, um shoot cmc and barkley like 106 range like best case scenario was derrick henry's 70th percentile scenario right best case scenario for him would have been for ceh would have been 80 percent of nick chubb's scenario right so like think about these things in like predictive outcomes like i, I always say like the 80th percentile stuff because that's how like i think a lot of these things um when it comes to making these decisions uh, just because I think that's a good way to think about it in terms of like a single sample of one season, one week, um, half the season, three years, whatever the case is. You go off like what you think based on projections. That's a lot of like numbers talk though too. Um, so have a redraft mindset. The second would be um, in this redraft mindset would be to to not be scared to go all in on veterans. Um in the middle of the season, I think is a way to put it. And we kind of did this in our league. We like, I mean, I kind of forgot before we hopped on that we even had like CMC on our team. We had Nick Chubb, like, because I mean, like I'd thought about, I just remember the end of the season when we made all these trades, we, we, we took chances on sacrificing CMC, Nick Chubb to take in guys like Derrick Henry to take in. And we took in AJ Green. Um, it wasn't a huge investment. Like Julio Jones, like we took in these, we took chances on these guys. Obviously we ended up winning the league. And honestly, it wasn't even off the back of Julio and AJ Green at all, really. I mean, it was just about one of the three veterans. Um, I don't remember the exact details of the trade. I'm pretty sure we got Adams within that. Um, yeah, because Adams was a little banged up. So we got him for kind of cheap. We got Henry for, I wouldn't say cheap because we had to give up CMC, but we got Julio for cheap and AJ Green for cheap. So two out of the four of those guys ended up being on our teams in the playoffs. And we gave up, um, what, three starters? We gave up Higgins too. So we gave up three starters in the hopes that we were going to get two of four of these veterans to hit and those two veterans hitting ended up being the two best fantasy players on the year. So don't be afraid to take chances um, because you can sit back and hopefully the players are going to pan out. And that's kind of what you were saying about being, don't be afraid to drop these guys. Like Mike Williams is a good example before, let's say last year, you're, you were wanting to get rid of Mike Williams um, because you didn't really know what was going to happen. He really hasn't panned out. Uh, you didn't really know who his quarterback was going to be. And someone offered you a late first for him. Like in your head, you're like, okay, like this kind of goes with the mindset of, okay, I might get Henry Ruggs or Mike Williams. Like is Henry Ruggs going to get 70 targets like Mike Williams does? Does he have the chance to hit a thousand yard receiving? Like these are good decisions that like, I think people like look at and they just shy away from. But in the case of like a Mike Williams guy, when he had all the opportunity in the world, maybe you want to get rid of him, right? Another uh, famous one this year, this year, this off season is going to be James Robinson. Right. And someone asked me about this and I told him that don't make any decisions now. Come free agency will, will tell for them. Right. I think that the Jags will either add someone in free agency. Or they're going to run it back with Robinson. And I said, you're, you're, you're never going to reach like right when the free agency happens and you catch a vibe of them, maybe getting a running back, trade them or keep them. Right. So you have to just find, I think it's another good, uh, uh, recommendation is set a deadline for when you want to trade these guys. And I know we did that this year um, with CMC and Chubb is when they went on the IR, I think we gave it a week. I think, I think we texted each other right away saying like, 
I think I was like, all right, let's get rid of him, right? Like I was like, we don't have the team enough to take a hit of three, four weeks without CMC and Chubb. I think we made it work for a week or two because we had McKinnon for one week. And I think, uh, I don't even, I don't even ask. I think J- Justin Jackson had like one good week all year. I don't really, I don't remember exactly who it was, but like set deadlines of when you need to make these moves. Because if you don't, you're never going to make the moves or you're going to sell low or something like that. So I know we did that and it really worked out well for us. And obviously we'll go into detail about that. But I think, so have a redraft mindset. Don't be afraid to take risks um, in the sense of moving on from players and set deadlines of moving on from these players. Awesome. And I think you covered that tremendously. And again, we'll get into more of that a little bit in a few minutes here when we break down our our team. Um, But that just kind of gives you a little bit of our mindset of we drafted a number of veterans. Um, Again, this is without the rookie draft. So we drafted a number of veterans and uh, two of those big draft picks got hurt right away Um, in Chubb and CMC. Those are our first and second round picks. We needed to make moves immediately or just punt the season and we agreed to each other we weren't going to punt the season so we got to go out and make moves we'll explain how we did that in a couple of minutes uh lucas for sake of time i'm going to blaze through a couple more of these um i'll just list off three or four other things and maybe just get your uh response quickly on a couple of these um and then uh we can turn the page a little bit so just going down the list in no particular order uh also a handful of things to avoid when getting involved with or starting a dynasty league So drafting average players on good teams too early. Okay. So you're taking an average player who, you know, I mean, they're pretty good, but they're not, they're not good enough to stand alone and be great on any team in any circumstance. Like AJ Brown gets five targets a game and he's incredible. Imagine him getting the work of a Devontae Adams. He would be the number one receiver in the NFL. Stefan Diggs was pretty good with the Vikings. They pump the shit out of his targets in Buffalo. He becomes a top three wide receiver. So be careful with drafting average players on good teams. Don't let the good team kind of mask the scenario for the player individually. You don't just draft Saints and Chiefs and Packers uh, because they're on great teams. You need to make sure that those guys are in good situations. On the flip side, you need to make sure that you're not necessarily overhyping um, some of these players and fading great talents who land on bad teams. So just a couple examples from last year, Burrow, Gibson, Higgins, Chenault, Komet. So all these guys are rookies, but they landed on not good teams, but they were great talents. And obviously all those guys had their shine in their rookie season. And we expect bright futures for them. Uh, obviously if they stay healthy moving forward. So kind of drafting average players who land on good teams and then fading great talents who land on bad teams find it somewhere in the middle there Um, buying into recency bias. Lucas talked about it a lot. It is dynasty draft season. Everybody is thirsty as fuck for fantasy content right now. That has to do with next year already. Everybody's burnout on 2020. And if you are as a listener, we respect that. And I certainly understand why you're like that, but we would respectfully ask (laughs) that you bear with us for another week or two. Because what Lucas and I and Dwayne and Bobby find the most value in as fantasy players and running this podcast, trying to bring you, the listener, as much value as possible, what we find the most value in and where we try to zig where everyone else zags, everybody's in dynasty mindset already, and the playoffs haven't even ended. Per this podcast, we still have the Super Bowl to play, and people have been in it the last month while the playoffs have been going in. Meanwhile, the four of us 
have been diving in to 2020s stats and re- looking at why things happened the way that they did, trying to tell a story to get into 2021 at a better clip when everyone else has kind of chopped it off. So it's really important to recap things and not buying into recency bias on players who haven't produced in the past. All right. So be careful about buying into the Twitter feeds and every, all the hype on these players who haven't yet given it to us. Okay. Be careful there. Uh, one more Lucas and I'll get your quick replies on these. Loading up on too many unproven players for quote unquote upside without the veteran week to week production as a floor. So again, we've talked about this a number of times, too many <clears throat> unproven players hoping for the upside. All right. Like, look, this guy is, is Corey Davis. He's due to break out, right? He's due to break out. Yes. He had a couple of great games, but he's still Corey Davis. All right. Being careful to, to, you know, uh, Alan Lazard, he's a number two for the Packers. If Devonte gets hurt, he will be the guy. Okay. Devonte missed two games. He was pretty good, but otherwise it's just Devonte. So be careful with these kind of guys when you're loading up on too many unproven players for the quote unquote upside late in your league without the veteran week to week production. Last week, Lucas and I told you um, one of the things that we learned this year um, was that you need to make sure that you buoy your rosters with the quote unquote boring guys. You have to have a Robert Woods. You have to have a Keenan Allen. You have to have an Adam Thielen who are probably not going to win you a week, but they're never going to lose you a week unless they get injured either. So be careful with those. So Lucas, quickly, uh, uh, quick reaction on these uh, drafting average players that land on good teams, fading great talents that land on bad teams, buying into recency bias, and then loading up on too many unproven players looking for upside without having that veteran week-to-week production. Yeah, and I think that's where like that redraft mindset comes in. I don't want to go into it too much of like, like we said, buy the targets, go into these guys that get volume because there are so many outcomes Um like if you think of how many you draw, you draw five cards in a deck, right? How, name all the outcomes, right? There's so many outcomes that can happen in a season. And I think that really showed this year, right? Because people blame it on COVID, on injuries. People always blame stuff on injuries. Um, but they blame it on injuries and all these random occurrences because they don't take that into account when they're making their decisions, right? They blame it on, oh, CEH didn't get on the field for pass blocking downs. And then like, we would, we, we would respond the way we build the podcast and our mindset of, okay, well, you could have just taken Derek Henry at the one Oh six, right. And your startup. So like, there's, there's ways to, you need to build in worst possible case scenario. And the way to go about that is getting those boring guys, the guys that I spammed in all my drafts, a Rob Keenan Allen, honestly, Tyler Lockett, I think was kind of a boring guy come like right before the season started. Um, trying to think who else, um, Cream Hunt was super boring to people, right? Because they're like, well, when Nick Chubb is there, we're like, okay, I'll take my 10 points and run. James Robinson, honestly, was like boring the first three weeks. Um, and I picked him up off waivers. And like, but at the end of the year, everyone loved him, right? Because no one else had 25 carries a game really uh, consistently. So um, I think like, that's probably my final one would be like, expect the worst possible case scenario. Um, because in, in any part of the draft, the trades, the rookie draft, the the actual season, because you can build in these, these, um, these negative um, outcomes. And then when they do like, but if you're the only one building the negative outcomes, like you're really not, you're gaining EV on them edge on them because they're not building that. So when those do happen, your team skyrockets. And I think we saw a lot of that uh, last year with the way we built our dynasty team and all the other teams that we had. I've got three more here really quick that I'll just run through uh, just because I think they're good pointers to kind of earmark this before we move on overhyping handcuffs that play well due to a starter's injury. 
All right. So you had a guy like Jeff Wilson, who I love, but he got a lot of work because Raheem Mostert went down. Madison had a good game or two because Cook went down for a minute. Mike Davis, like, you know, was carrying people's leagues for most of the season because CMC went down. Wayne Gallman had a couple of good games because Saquon went down. Tony Pollard finally got his chance and crushed because uh, Zeke went down. Gio Bernard even did well for a game or two when Mixon went down. Be careful, though, jumping into 2021, remembering how good those guys were as backups getting their chance because almost, you know, all of those starters should be back in the same scenario, healthy, hopefully, and will remain the starter in those rosters. So should they be a handcuff in your 10th, 12th round? Absolutely. Absolutely. But be careful to not overdraft those kind of guys because you saw their potential. They're backups for a reason. When they get the opportunity, a lot of these guys are good for a week or two, but can they maintain it? Be careful there. Another one on the receiver side, thinking too much about wide receiver roster build. There is so much wide receiver depth every single year. You need to be careful. If you're in a PPR league, you don't uh, necessarily want a guy who's not going to get you many catches and look only for the big play. Vice versa, if you're in a standard league, you're not necessarily looking for somebody like Julian Edelman, per se, who gets catch after catch after catch, but nine catches for 70 yards is only seven points, not 16 in a standard league. So be careful there. And then the final one, pretty standard but not being active during the off season with trades, draft research, coaching changes, et cetera. We're going to bring all of that to you over the spring and the summer, gearing up for August and draft season. Of course, we have our own draft guide. You can go check out the stock exchange draft guide as well, which is strictly based on rookies right now. So go check them out, but not being prepared is just silly. Like we don't expect you to listen to podcasts all year long. Like we do. We're, we're nerds. We love this shit and we get it, you know, eat, breathe and sleep fantasy football. That's what we do. But if you don't, that's fine. But make sure you're at least paying attention to offseason moves, free agencies coming up, the draft. Make sure you're up to date with the trades. What does the Stafford and Goff trade actually mean? Dweez and I uh, broke it down yesterday on the podcast if you haven't heard it yet. But what does that mean for everybody else on those teams? It's really important for you to pay attention to those final three thoughts. Okay. Lucas, we got about mm, 20 minutes left in the program today. I do want to get through, of course, our Regime Dynasty League draft and break that down for people to kind of give the mindset of where we were at. But first, I do want to give a shout out, of course, to the Jersey Jungle. On Instagram, at the Jersey Jungle, you can go find yourself an authentic jersey, the same as the guys wear on Sundays. Not just football, but we have baseball, hockey, soccer, so world jerseys as well, custom jerseys. They have hockey. For those of you that live somewhere, like in Lucas, where there's ice and snow for the next four months, you can get your hockey jerseys, custom jerseys, away jerseys, throwbacks as well. Maybe, like we said, kind of go ahead and, and call your shot. Go grab who you believe will be the Super Bowl champion or Grab yourself a Super Bowl champion jersey next week when the winner is produced. You can go ahead and get college jerseys as well. Again, Dweez has been repping the three-pack for the Washington football team, which is smart, young, stud players. Also, that name is going to be faded out here quickly, so those are going to be keepsake items. I mentioned that I was a Buccaneers fan, still am-ish, but in the 2000s when their defense was amazing, I was a huge fan of that. Mike Allstott, one of my favorite players of all time, that's my dude. I have a regular kind of a pewter red jersey. I would love to get a creamsicle Mike Allstott jersey. I think would be super baller. So that's one that I'm going to be looking at as well. You mentioned TCK pod via DM on IG to the Jersey jungle. Say that Lucas and Sky sent you. Use the code TCK 
and get 10% off of one jersey, 10% off of two jerseys, 15% off of three jerseys, and they're already at a discounted price. If you go to NFL.com or the team's website, they're about $120 for Stitch Twill jerseys. These are not the ironed-on ones. These are stitched on. They're clean. I have one myself. It's very nice. They're 120 bucks. You go to the Jersey Jungle. They're 60 to start. You use the TCK promo code. You're going to get 10% or 15% off of your bundle purchase as well. So go call your shot, get your favorite player, get the guy that helped you get your fantasy football TCK title, and make sure you go support our guys over at the Jersey Jungle on Instagram. All right, Lucas, let's jump into this regime dynasty league. So I will turn it over to you for a while here, but let me set the stage. Um, I said that it was 12 and then I corrected myself to 10. I was wrong in my correction. It was 12 teams. So 12 teams um, laces out fantasy guru, us um, fantasy champs run the clock, the commish crew, limelight, fornicator, weird fantasy mechanic, FFDN eight and um, footballogy as well. So these guys are all prominent uh, pages on Instagram primarily um, some of them have podcasts, some of them have Twitters and YouTubes as well, but we got invited into this league and we're super pumped. These guys are all very um, great accounts. We've connected with most of them um, and a uh, very competitive league, hundred dollar buy-in as Lucas and I mentioned here, we split it 50, 50, he and I, and um, we won't go over the, the money winnings or anything like that, but it was a serious league. It was a hundred dollar buy-in legit. A lot of these guys have team members and stuff like that on their own squad. So we went through it. Now there's a random draft. We end up getting the third pick overall. That's just what we draw. And Lucas, I'll let you kind of go through the trades and the picks and things like that, but just kind of want to set the scene on, on the mindset that you and I had. So again, this is a short or I'm sorry, a, a long, um, uh, a long kind of slow draft, they call it. So if you're unfamiliar with dynasty or you haven't done a slow draft yet, that basically means that, you know, if you're on um, Sleeper, ESPN, whatever, Yahoo, and you're in a regular draft, you have a 60-second timer, maybe a minute and a half, maybe two minutes, and it goes pick by pick by pick by pick. If you wait that minute and a half, you don't pick. It auto-picks for you. This was not the case. We had an eight-hour time limit, okay, eight hours. So a lot of these guys are all over the nation. I'm on the West Coast. Lucas is in the Midwest. We know that the commish crew, at minimum, are on the East Coast. So we had, quite literally, the entire United States here. So we had to wait along. Guys had work schedules, family life, whatever. We had eight-hour time limits. So we're making one pick, like, per day, maybe two or three, if we had some momentum. So it was kind of tough to stay focused and stay motivated on this draft. But I'm really pleased on how it came out on draft day, which is much different than our final roster, which is important to mention here. So we have the third pick overall. We're thinking, obviously, CMC is going to go one. Saquon's going to go two. At the time, we were looking at, like, Zeke, Alvin Kamara, maybe Michael Thomas, maybe Nuke, Dalvin Cook, because it's Dynasty. What are we looking at here? Lucas, I'll turn it over to you here, but kind of mention our general mindset because you are very much like you either, again, you either punt and go rookie heavy kind of, you know, uh, uh, younger players and play for the future, or you go with the veterans and you try to win now, which is risky, obviously, because if you get older players and they don't pan out, they may not be around for two or three years and your team's fucked. Which direction did we go? We're currently on the clock at the three pick, but how did we handle that? Yeah, so go so for one slow draft. I really like him because I think you can find 
you you can't get edges and fat like in your redraft like obviously most people don't make trades in the middle of a redraft but like there's just too much going on but like in an eight hour clock you can really like think through decisions see the trends of drafts and react to them um different things like that that i think you can't in normal drafts and so this was pre this was post free agency pre nfl draft i think that's a good context to have too and i know people don't like having them beforehand before the draft I'm a little different to where I don't have a preference because I, I just adjust my strategy for for example we've already had one this year the only the only one I'm going to join pre-draft uh because it was if people know what bitcoin is we put the money in bitcoin so we had to get in it now and they wanted to start the draft already um and what I did in that draft is I only took players who no matter the circumstance their value is not going to change for better or for worse and people might say, but you're not really risking any upside. But this was the case, like I said, with the assume worst case scenario and you already have an edge on your competition, right? So I'm assuming that majority, which is probably the case of these players, won't have the same value going forward that other people drafted where I'm going to put myself in the edge right away, post post free agency, post draft. And I think we saw this in our draft too. Um, So we were eyeing down the third pick. I can't remember if we were going to go Zeke or Kamara. We were probably going to go Zeke because Kamara's contract, I think, was kind of concerning at the time. I don't – besides the point. It doesn't really matter. So we would have had pick three and then in return pick 110 in the rookie draft because it's usually drafts are inverse. Um, um, rookie draft is inverse startup draft. This is a one quarterback league. So, like, immediately I said we should just trade our rookie pick. And this was your first slow draft, if I do remember, I think right? Like first slow draft ever? Yes, it was. So yeah, so you kind of like, I don't I'm assuming it's your first draft where you had like a separate rookie draft and stuff too, right? Yeah, I usually, you know, in Dynasty, the only other one I've been in was was early and we basically just, you know, it was a it was a startup, but we had everybody involved. So I hadn't done a second one, correct? Okay, so yeah, so basically like I, um, Propose that we we take our three, our pick three, and trade our first round pick to move a, or our first round rookie pick, the one in ten, to get Christian McCaffrey, right? Um, and the thought process behind that was that I had CMC in tier one by himself, and in the sense of what was probably going to happen in the rookie draft, what ended up happening is it turned into Henry Ruggs. In context of we would have taken him, I don't know. Besides the point, so it was Henry Ruggs, either two or Joe Burrow or Jalen Rager, that's your context right there. So then you have to think, would you rather have Zeke, a young quarterback, or a bottom tier two rookie receiver, bottom tier one rookie receiver, or would you rather have CMC? And we found the value in taking the most consistent, obviously got hurt player in fantasy, probably of all time before Devontae Adams, I would say. Um, And he definitely was, he would have been this year if he didn't get hurt. So we found that value, we made that trade immediately. So we took CMC. Uh, I don't remember the exact details of the trade, but then we also traded back into the second round on top of our 210 uh, right off the turn. Um, I don't really remember the thought process. We ended up getting Nick Chubb and Derrick Henry was there. I think we just wanted Nick Chubb or Derrick Henry um, in the sense that we wanted to stack running backs because we traded away because we knew, I think at the point of attack, we knew that like we'd have a supreme edge on people if we didn't have two rookie running backs two young running backs or two question marks on running backs. And we also knew that we gave up, we gave up our rookie. It looks like we gave up our fourth, fifth and sixth, went one, fourth, fourth, sixth and seventh round pick. That was probably used to move up to the 201, if I remember right. So we knew that if we were sacrificing middle round talent, that we had to create an edge 
on the draft board. And by doing that, we stacked McCaffrey and Chubb. And that, that obviously created an edge. Obviously, they both got hurt, but we flipped those guys into like Derrick Henry and Adams. And besides the point of creating the edge in the draft. So we ended up getting Nick Chubb. Obviously, Derrick Henry would have been the better pick, but that's besides the point. Because um, in hindsight, Henry didn't have a contract either and Chubb was locked in. Um, I think this was this was post-Kareem Hunt, maybe pre-Kareem Hunt. I don't know. It doesn't really matter because um, they were close to rankings for most people anyways. So the draft went on. A lot of running backs went just like we thought. A quarterback started to fall, which is in 203. Mahomes went into one quarterback league. Um, people know our thoughts on one quarterback leagues when to take QBs. Um, so we, we knew we were going to be getting a pretty good receiver here at the 210. Um, we really wanted Travis Kelsey as well, who we actually ended up getting at a 3-3. And I was pretty um, – Crazy value. Yeah, and I was pretty like saying we got to get Kelsey because, we, uh, like I said, we were just trying to create this edge in the first three rounds of the draft by getting guaranteed points from CMC, Nick Chubb, and these two picks. So we took Julio at the 210 over DK and DJ Moore and Juju. And I'm pretty sure Mike Evans is in the conversation for us. And I think that this, it is, we, we, couldn't, we couldn't make those first two picks, taking consistent points and creating an edge, and then take a chance on DK or DJ Moore. Like that's just contradicting yourself. And then in the sense, you're just eliminating all edge you created, right? So we took Julio because we're like, all right, we're going to take the stat line he gets every year the one or two boom games and not be hurt. Obviously he got hurt. So like we didn't, he didn't return second round value, but like the, the process behind the pick was fine. And then if the commission boards are listening, I'm sorry. They took George Kittle, the pick before we took Travis Kelsey. Um, they have their thoughts around their dynasty rankings. And I was, I think I remember an episode, it was redraft rankings, but I remember an episode saying like, George Kittle's best outlier season is Travis Kelsey's like 90th percentile season. Um, so we did, we got Kelsey to three, three, and we were pretty happy with where we were. Um, we didn't pick next until the fifth round. Um, and I think these first five picks are like the most, um, where people will see our strategy. Um, so the, a lot of players, I'm not even going to read them all off your basic third, fourth and fifth round picks in dynasty last year around this time. So we came back to the five, three and I, I don't remember exactly who we were deciding between, but we ended up taking Michael Gallup. Obviously, pre-CD Lamb, pre-not um, taking a corner and then end up having the worst defense in the league, Cowboys. Um, the, I mean, I had Michael Gallup ranked in the top 20 of dynasty receivers. I'm pretty sure you did. We were super high on him. I remember stating that I, even post-CD Lamb, I wanted to have a Cowboy or two in every single draft. Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of those. Um, the thought process here was, I don't want to say guaranteed points. So we kind of swayed a little bit off our strategy, but the volume. And I think we were, at least at the time, I was projecting a high number of plays, pass attempts, high, good, really good offense. Obviously people came to realize this post city land, but I think even without city land, they were in Dak, obviously like their offense wouldn't have missed a beat from what it was at the first four plays of the game. So we found extreme value at the five, three here. The, the guys we could have taken, I were Boyd, Thielen, um, I mean, Chark, we wouldn't take in Lockett, Terry, Woods. I think so Woods was probably the one that if I were to go back and say, okay, what would have matched our strategy? It would have been Woods or Lockett just to get the guaranteed points. Um, but obviously that didn't work out for us. I Do we have Gallup on our team still? I think we traded him, right? We traded Michael Gallup, correct. So just to, just to recap quickly, we had CMC, Chubb, Julio Jones, Travis Kelsey, four guys, and again, CMC, Julio, and Chubb ultimately got hurt, but we had four bona fide starters preseason 
in the first three rounds. We did not have a pick in the fourth round, pick Michael Gallup in the fifth. We did not have picks in the sixth or seventh, but we double up in, uh, in the eighth. And Lucas, I'll go through our final roster and what it looked like, because obviously we did make some changes. Um, but uh, why don't you blaze through just kind of mention quickly um, all the rest of the guys that we did draft. And uh, we don't have to go through all the thought processes, obviously, um, as we're getting along in the episode here. But um, maybe just mention everybody that we did pick. And there's obviously going to be some head nods like, who the fuck? why would you pick this guy? <laughs> you know, yeah. but again, preseason, it made sense. And we made calculated decisions. Uh, but then I will go through once you're done with that. Um, I will go through our final roster and what it looked like. Cause you mentioned that maybe we should have picked Derek Henry instead of Nick Chubb. Maybe we should have picked Robert Woods instead yeah. of Michael Gallup. Well, maybe we ended up doing that later on. So why don't you blaze through the rest of our picks quick? Yeah. So then I think just one more part on the strategy. So then the, we ended up taking Tony Pollard and Alexander Madison with our next picks um, in relation to our strategy. This was because Sony Michelle and like Tevin Coleman and Matt Breida types wouldn't have helped create more edge right because we already had our guaranteed points so we shot for upside here we shot for Dalvin Cook not getting a contract um etc cetera, etc cetera. and obviously like I said the Tony Pollard one week of production he had was well worth wherever you drafted him last year right so when we had it I think we, that was when we were in the playoffs week 15 like that was huge right like I, that might have guaranteed us a win just off his production in the eighth round of a draft so we drafted uh Tom Brady as our first quarterback Tony Pollard Alexander Madison we took Justin Jackson, obviously, because we were pretty bullish on them having two running backs. Jared Goff, Randall Cobb, Josh Reynolds, Jalen Samuels, Ian Thomas, Haskins, Devin Funches, Jeff Wilson, Jameis, Demarcus Robinson, BC Johnson, Travion Williams. So this is like we I didn't look at the draft board until right before we recorded here, right? And the bottom half of our draft was absolutely terrible. Like it and I don't even think at the, at the time I wasn't super confident in like the bottom half of our draft. And I think a lot of over the offseason I kept on harping on like, we need more flex value. We need more flex value. Um, we need more guaranteed points because like reading off those names, obviously now with, with the season happened, it was brutal. But like, even at the time I was like super concerned with what we had. Um, but that just goes to show that like we took high up upside shots here and in the end it didn't matter. Um, because if you, Obviously, you can't see our draft board, but even if you go back to your past drafts that you had, like go see who was taken around these edges, around these ranges. Like there was maybe two good players, right, over the whole scale. So like this is where you take the shots, which we did, um, and obviously ended up working out for us. Not in the sense that we hit on any of these guys, but besides Jeff Wilson for like the one or two weeks, but like we didn't lose anything because no one else gained anything on us, on us by taking shots too. Yep. Let me go through the rookie draft really quick, and then I'll go through uh, two huge trades that we made midseason that turned our team around and eventually got us through the rest of the season through the ship. Once CMC, Chubb, and Julio went down, we made some huge trades, and uh, it worked out in our favor, at least for this season. Go through the rookie draft really quickly. Again, we would have... We would have had the 111, or excuse me, 110 in rookie. Uh, we traded that away to get CMC and move up. That ended up being Henry Ruggs. I'm not sure who we would have picked at that point, uh, looking back on the draft, but it being Henry Ruggs, I obviously feel okay not picking Henry Ruggs there. Um, I don't see us doing that anyway, but it was Henry Ruggs, didn't do that. Um, we came around on the turn there. We ended up going with. Uh, T Higgins. So great pick there. We were confident in him. We grabbed T Higgins. We got Brian Edwards and Justin Herbert in the fourth round, the last round of the rookie draft. We get Justin Herbert and obviously that panned out. So we go back to two big trades. So CMC's uh, on the IR at this point. Um, we ended up trading 
Christian McCaffrey. This is dynasty. Remember we're trading Christian McCaffrey and T Higgins love T Higgins. I'm going to get him in every other league than this one. Cause I don't think we'll be able to get him back at this point, but love T Higgins, but we had to make a move Christian McCaffrey and T Higgins for AJ green, Robert Woods, Mike Davis, and Joe Mixon. So we swapped Christian McCaffrey for Mike Davis, which I thought was going to be impossible, but we pulled it off. So Mike Davis is not Christian McCaffrey, but he was about 75% of Christian McCaffrey, which is still top 10. Love that. Joe Mixon was fine at the time. He wasn't injured yet. We went with Joe Mixon. Robert Woods, we got those guaranteed points we've been talking about. And we took a shot just as a throw in on AJ Green in case he ended up turning around. Of course, he did not. So that was on October 7th. We made that trade. Again, Christian McCaffrey and T. Higgins. For AJ Green, Robert Woods, Mike Davis, and Joe Mixon. The very next day, <laughs> we made another giant trade. Now we trade away. So we just acquired Joe Mixon. We trade away Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb, who's also injured, Michael Gallup, who we loved, but once Dak went down, was pretty much useless, unfortunately. We acquired Devontae Adams and Derek Henry. Devontae Adams was hurt. Derrick Henry was not yet Derrick Henry on the season, but we expected because he had that, that uh, late round schedule because we know he's always at his best during the playoffs. We took a chance on two bona fide veterans because if they got right, they would have been league winners. Sure enough, they were. So again, we trade Joe Mixon a day after acquiring him. We trade away Nick Chubb, who we both love, but he was injured, useless for us this year, and Michael Gallup as well. We got Devonte Adams and we got Derrick Henry. So we flip those two. Obviously, those are huge, huge moves for us uh, as we head in through the rest of the season. So our final roster, and I'm trying to bring it up here quick, our final roster that ended up, you know, pretty much, you know, doing well in the league. We were 10 and three overall, and we ended up um, taking, taking down the championship uh, we went up against our boy mechanic shouts out to uh, our man mechanic. Um, great, great competitor. We ended up having Justin Herbert starting at the end of the season. We had JD McKissick who we got in a late round, nothing trade just because we had to pick up some points. He goes for 23 fantasy points in the championship there. Jeff Wilson comes through with 27 Devonte Adams, 43 in the final round. We ended up getting Robert Woods. As I mentioned, we had Travis Kelsey, good for 20 plus every week, Mike Davis and Derek Henry. That was our final roster. So team players that were not on our roster week one, JD McKissick, Jeff Wilson, Devonte Adams, Robert Woods, Mike Davis, and Derek Henry. All of those players were not on our team week one, Justin Herbert and Travis Kelsey were the only players on our final week championship roster. Um, that were on our week one roster. So we made all the moves to pick up the other guys, McKissick, Wilson, Adams, Woods, Davis, and Henry. We also um, picked up a couple other guys throughout the season, played, you know, some hit or miss dudes or whatever. We still have Julio Jones if he pans out. We still have A.J. Green if he gets healthy and finds a new spot. We still have uh, a bunch of those handcuffs, Pollard and Madison and Jeff Wilson. We still have uh, – Brady, we still have Winston, we still have Goff, and we picked up Trubisky just in case any of those guys pan out as well. We have Brian Edwards, uh, Harrison Bryant we picked up for free. Chad Hansen had a couple of good games. Um, so, again, I feel really good about our squad coming into next year, but this year was we looked at a roster, we felt great about it week one, and then we had some injuries. And as you mentioned, we kind of knew that we were having a rough second half of our draft here. Um, again, I mean – 
I mean, this, this second half of the draft makes me puke, dude. I mean, let's look at our last legit pick. I'm going to say it's Madison in the ninth round as a handcuff. After that, Justin Jackson, no thanks. Jared Goff, no thanks. Randall Cobb and Josh Reynolds, no thanks. Uh, Ian Thomas, Jalen Samuels, Dwayne Haskins, no thanks. Most of those guys don't even have a job anymore. Devin Funches, Jeff Wilson worked out. Jameis Winston, Demarcus Robinson, BC Johnson, and Travion Williams. I don't think any of those guys played more than three games outside of the quarterbacks and Jeff Wilson. So we punted the second half of the draft, but because we were so strong in the first half and – we used assets from the rookie draft and draft picks to move up. Also, one more thing I want to mention on this, and Lucas, I'll let you finish it out with your reply. We did not, we did not draft any future picks in this entire thing. We had about 15 pre-draft uh, um, trades over those two weeks of the slow draft, and we also had three major trades midseason. We did not do any 2021, 2022, or further draft pick trades. So it was all dealt with this year's players and how to run the waiver wire. So I feel like we did that very, very well. It obviously worked out. We won the championship, and we ended up coming up huge, which eventually gives us our buy-in for the next five or six years for quote-unquote free if we want to do that. So our strategy was to go big this year. We paid up for Christian McCaffrey, didn't work out. Paid up for Nick Chubb, didn't work out. Paid up for Julio Jones, didn't work out. But we made a ton of different changes. We got other horses instead. Herbert, Brady, uh, Adams, Henry, Robert Woods, Mike Davis, J.D. McKissick even, not a sexy pick, but he got us those guaranteed points. Jeff Wilson panned out, and sure enough, and ended up getting us a championship. So, man, this roster was just a great example of looks great day one, looks like shit. Week four, you got to make some changes. By week eight, nine, ten, we got strong, hit the playoffs, and we were really at our strongest during the playoffs and took home the ship. Lucas, a couple more um, points, if any, here on this uh, draft and draft strategy as we end out the episode. No, I don't think so. I mean, I just think that, like, it – I think we showed – I mean, if it was hard to follow, like, we really showed – I mean, if you have any um, – questions that feel free to ask us or if you want to see screenshots of the draft board of the team whatever just ask us um setting up like a I'm not gonna say like an analytical uh strategy around it but setting up like a strategy that like actually like makes sense um prior to it setting setting deadlines of dropping players of trading players like setting getting the guaranteed points even if you have to give up CMC not that we dropped off much in value because we ended up getting Adams and Henry and like blah, blah, blah. Like that's besides the point, but like having set strategies around, I would say all your teams, right? I think like you can have a little bit of a balance, but like, whereas I have that, most of my dynasty teams I'm in win now or competing mode, the one I have all the picks or whatever, but like I have all the picks in hopes of getting to win now mode. Like you can't have all these teams in the middle or all these, if you're going to tank in all your leagues and tank in all your leagues, right? Because you're going to be too all over the place and you're going to have different strategies that are going to cross and just make it hard on yourself. That's like, a, that's like the same with the zero RB or the modified zero RB. Like having a set strategy really shows you if that strategy doesn't work, if it does work, if your game's off, if you need to make adjustments. Because if you have to wait too many strategies and you're not going to know what works and what doesn't um, in a game where like I said, so many outcomes can happen because you have a million different cards in the deck and you can draw it a million different different ways. 
Absolutely. And of course, as they always say, you got to stay fluid. You have to make sure that you're just playing it week by week, man. It's a long season. It happens quickly. And there's so much anticipation for the fantasy football draft season and the season itself that it happens very quickly. But you have to be in the moment when you're drafting. Take time. Um, I so much give Lucas so much of the credit here for the early uh, draft strategy and the moves that we took and the trades that we made. Um, I learned a lot doing this with him. So well done, my man. Um, But also us talking through the season and looking at values and maybe again, Nick Chubb and, and Christian McCaffrey were injured, but for, for dynasty, I want those guys on all my teams, yeah. but in this particular league, we had to make a move here. It was a big buy-in. We had to go all in. We, we basically showed our hand early that we were going to do that with Julio and Travis Kelsey and Tom Brady. Right. So we had to make moves and Derek Henry and Devonte Adams were also injured and banged up at the time. So we ended up being able to swap some names. And again, we had Joe Mixon for less than 24 hours on our roster, but it helped us acquire Derek Henry and, and, and uh, Devonte Adams. So you got to be careful. I love Christian McCaffrey, love Nick Chubb and I love T Higgins, but in this league, we had to make moves to bring in other guys instead, get off of those guys, even though we love them, we moved them on and to help us win the championship at least this year. So you got to stay, uh, got to stay fluid and you got to be able to make a move uh, no matter what here. So Lucas, well done, man. Um, we had a couple of leagues as well uh, that we'll get into another time, but this is a great breakdown of, um, you know, not only the the couple things to avoid in dynasty drafts, but a, a real deep dive and in, in, in bird's eye view of our league looking back on why we made some decisions, which ones worked out, which ones didn't. And then the ultimate outcome was uh, thankfully a championship, but it's less about the fact that we won a championship with this team. And it's more about how we built it because the team we drafted was going to win five games this year, but we built a team that won 10 plus and went, uh, went on to win the championship. So well done, my man. Yo, uh, another quick shout out to the fantasy football uh, exchange, the fantasy football stock exchange. Shouts out to our boy, Tyler. Um, Everybody over there on that side doing very, uh, very big things and, and growing quickly, primarily on YouTube again. So go subscribe to them on YouTube, find their Twitter handles as well. Go uh, pre-save and pre-register uh, for their draft guide. Again, percentage of those proceeds come back to us at the TCK, but also go out to charity as well. If you have a charity or a nonprofit you're a part of or you want to be affiliated with and let us know that are doing good things in your community, please reach out to us on DM. That's on Instagram at fantasy football underscore TCK pod and on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. And we will certainly let you know how that develops over the spring and the summer. Make sure to go hit up Jersey jungle for your next Jersey of any sport on Instagram at the Jersey jungle. Lucas, I am so jealous, my man. You're going to have a great time in Tampa. Get some of that vitamin D my man. I know it's cold where you're living. A lot of snow, get some vitamin D enjoy the game. Um, it's just incredible to even go to a Super Bowl. Uh, definitely one of my dreams. So soak that in. Enjoy. We'll be following you along in social media about the updates. Um, and, uh, you know, give our man a, a shout out down there, Tyler Moss. And enjoy the game, man. It's going to be incredible. Very excited about that. And um, be safe down there in Florida. And we will chat with you hopefully later this week, if not next week, if we can't catch back up with you. So best of luck to everybody in your dynasty drafts. One other thing, don't draft right now <laughs> everyone's excited don't draft yet let the nfl draft happen at least so your chips can fall into place but we wish you the best of luck for my man lucas caser i'm your host sky guasco episode 356 in the books best of luck in your dynasty drafts everybody have a wonderful wonderful rest of your day and your week
We are out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.